So, if I'm uh, perfectly honest with you, I'm a bit of in, at a bit of a crossroads, I guess. As I look at the church and as I look at the body of Christ and as I look at this flock here at Simple Church, to be perfectly transparent with you, I am at a bit of a crossroads. I think about what we have accomplished, um, you know, not that we have accomplished anything, but in our service for the Lord, what he has accomplished in and through his servants, as I look at the way we have served him faithfully, as I look at the, the things that we have done, the places that we have traveled, the food that we have packed, I look at all of those things, and, and those are great and wonderful things, they really are, and we will forever continue to do those things. But I really feel like in my heart that God is drawing us to a deeper level of service for him. That even the way we gather in worship, uh, that, that even that can be uh, an act of service to the people around us, to bring light to the people around us, to be missionaries for this gospel. Even when we meet on Sundays, I think that sometimes we get very comfortable in an environment, even in a building, and we think that that is the end of it all, and we have done our service, if you will, for the week, and that's kind of the stopping point. And if I'm perfectly honest with you, I think that I am seeing that a good bit in this church body, and it's burdening me. I think as we have gone through this period of isolation where we are you know, doing self-quarantine and social distancing and all of that kind of stuff. I think that God has really begun to open my eyes as to, to what, what does this body look like? What are we doing is the question that I've been asking myself and God has put on my heart. What are we doing? Are we doing what we need to be doing? Are we doing it in the right way? Are we doing it in accordance with how the Holy Spirit would have us to do it? And the answer to that is I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I felt like at one point in time that we were, I felt like Simple Church was, was doing exactly what God has called us to do, but there is a portion of me and a portion of my heart that feels like that we have let this building and us gathering together on Sundays kind of be the end all and be all of what we're doing and what we're about, and God has just impressed that upon my heart that maybe, just maybe in a small way, maybe this church has become an idol. Maybe the people love Simple Church more than they love Jesus. If you love Simple Church more than you love Jesus, you're loving the wrong way. We are to love Jesus Christ. We are to be about his mission and his purpose. And we are not to be about just meeting on Sundays. Meeting on Sundays is something we do to, to encourage one another, to, to study in the word together and see what God has said, and discuss that, and get close to God through his word. But if that is the end of your closeness with Jesus, if that is the end of your digging into his word, if that is the end of your prayer life, then you are doing it wrong. This is supposed to be a motivation for you to go out into the world and do it everywhere else, not just in here. And I think when I say that, I think there are some people that are watching online and their service to Jesus really ends inside this building. 
And when I say that, I know that we do good things. I know that we go to Haiti, and I know that we pack meals in Haiti, and I know that we uh, build wells for never thirst, and I know that we, we pack meals in here with new manna. I, I know that we do all those things. But it seems like we kind of wait and see what the church is going to do next. We wait and see where the church is going to lead us to serve next as opposed to seeking the face of God, seeking him in his word and seeing exactly what God would have us to do individually. As leaders, we have a responsibility to lead towards those things that God has called us to do for sure. And the church, I feel like, has led you faithfully in that, but I think that we have gotten to the place where we, we rely completely on the leadership of the church to lead us in the direction that we're supposed to go as opposed to doing what we should do individually. We talked last week about service and serving the Lord and do what God is calling us to do. And yes, he calls us to do that as a body and as a body of believers. We all have different talents and abilities and all of those things. But I think, I think there's a little bit of we'll just wait and see. We'll just wait and see mentality. And that's burdening my heart. It's burdening me in a deep way. I think during this period of social distancing, I think that it has become maybe more apparent to me just how, how much of an idol getting together on Sundays may be becoming. It's not supposed to be that way. You should be more upset or more focused on your relationship with Jesus Christ than you are upset about your not being able to come into this building and worship with us. Is, is that where your focus is? That's the question you have to ask yourself. I am so focused on Jesus Christ. Yes, it's nice to be able to meet with everybody at Simple Church and get together, but the thing I'm most focused on is my relationship with Jesus Christ and seeking his Holy Spirit. You see, the church is supposed to be secondary to that. It's not supposed to be first. So, today, I guess God has just kind of put this on my heart. And as I was reading this, it just kind of, I guess me as a leader in the church, it just kind of struck me and spoke to me and all of these things. And I just wanted to share some thoughts with you as we look at the book of Acts and we look at Paul his missionary journeys and he's about to say goodbye to the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus, he'd spent nearly, um, nearly three years with them, teaching them, loving them, being close to them, instructing them, identifying elders to, to lead the church and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's about to say goodbye to the church. And I think some of the most profound things that we see in Scripture are the times when it's kind of the final word, if you will. As we look at, at Jesus and the, and the final words that he says to his disciples before he's about to go to the cross and he tells them to love one another. The people will know you by how you love one another. I think it's profound when we look at some of the last words people have to say. And here, I want to look at the last words Paul has to say to the church of Ephesus. And by the way, he doesn't say it to the whole church. He says it to the elders, to the leadership of this particular church. 
So let's look at what scripture has to say about this. Let's look at what God is speaking to us through this scripture. How God is just taking all of these things and using those to shape us and mold us. And let's be open to that. Let's not have a preconceived notion of what it is that we're supposed to do. Let's be open completely to the Holy Spirit and, and his leadership and say, God, whatever it is you have in store, I'm okay with that. I was, I, I don't know why I feel compelled to say this, but I was, this has been several years ago and, uh, there was a pastor, a friend of mine who put on social media something about being completely submissive to the Holy Spirit of God. Um, it's a pretty big church. It's, they, they've got quite a few members and deacons and all of that kind of stuff and and I put on my comment, I said, well, maybe uh, God is telling you to, through the Holy Spirit, maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you to sell the church and use that money to clothe and feed the homeless. Are you open to that? Let me ask you that question. If God was to impress upon our hearts that the Holy Spirit of God said, sell the church, Put that money toward feeding the homeless and speak Jesus into those people's lives. Would you do that? Would you be okay with that? It's a tough question, isn't it? I think it was a tough question for him too because he didn't respond to my statement at all. So let's read what Paul says to the elders at Ephesus. So basically, we, we know that for all of you that want to answer and to the computer monitor or television screen, we know that the book of Acts was written by Luke. Good job. Yes, I could hear you saying it. Your, your house is all across everywhere. I could hear you saying Luke. So Paul has, he's sailing around and he's going uh, back, to, uh, back to Jerusalem. We'll find out in just a second. And he picks up Luke and some others, and um, remember Luke is recording this, so he's got a first-hand account of what's going on here, and he's, he finds this particular time, and he says, I've got to write this down. As Luke is recording things that are happening, what's going on, you know, sometimes he just talks about being in a city and preaching Jesus to those people and being in the synagogue and that sort of thing, and, but there are some times when, when Luke says, you know what, I've got to write this down under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Man, this is important for the people to hear word for word what is said. So Luke is with Paul, and he says, Paul decided to sail on past Ephesus. For he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. So um, Paul is, is, is he's sailing back to get to Jerusalem in time to celebrate Pentecost, now, I, I'm, I can imagine that, that the Christians that were Christ followers at that time, and, and man, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost came around, the time when the, the Holy Spirit first washed over the people, and, and, and the disciples of Jesus were speaking in tongues to each and every different kind of 
uh, nation and tribe, and they could all understand what they were saying, and these ordinary men were doing incredible things, and the power of God came down. And I can imagine, man, they would, they would have the biggest potluck you could ever imagine on the day of Pentecost, man. They would, they would celebrate. So Paul's trying to get back in time for the festival of Pentecost. And he sails past Ephesus. I don't want to necessarily shout where the Bible's largely silent, so I won't make speculation a whole lot on what that is. I'll give you some thoughts, some things for you to think about as to why maybe Paul did this. But let's, can, uh, let's continue on a little bit in uh, verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. It says, but when he landed in Miletus, he sent a messenger, a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus asking them, to come and meet him. So he sails past Ephesus. He's got a message for Ephesus, but he sails past Ephesus. And then he sends a message to the elders at Ephesus to come and meet with him. Paul, you could have saved us a trip, man. You, 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 could, have, you could have saved us a little bit of a hike. You know, it's 20 or 30 miles from Miletus to, to Ephesus. So I don't know if you know what that's like, but it's not like you know, hopping in your, your Honda and going down the road, uh, 20, 30 miles by foot uh, or, or horse or camel or something, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. And here, Paul sails past Ephesus, goes to Miletus, and he sends a message for the elders to come to speak to him. Now, I think that these people were very close to Paul. And I believe the elders uh, that were appointed according to the Holy Spirit through Paul, I believe that, that they were... Uh, very committed to the gospel of Jesus, and they would have been very close friends to Paul. And if he sent messages to them for them to come, even if it was 20, 30 miles away, they're going to go. These are going to be the committed people, the people that are not half-hearted. If you're half-hearted, you're not going to walk 20 or 30 miles to go meet with some guy for a little bit. But these are the people, they're the leaders in the church, and, and Paul's about to say to them, this is the last time I'm going to see you. They don't know that. All they know is that Paul sent a message for them to come and, and speak to them. And um, maybe Paul couldn't say goodbye to the whole church. He, know that he, he knew that if he went to Ephesus and was there, that he would be swamped by people and he would have to tell everybody goodbye. And maybe once he was telling everybody goodbye, maybe there would be lots of people trying to hang on to him. Don't leave us, Paul. Don't. Don't desert us like this, man. You've got to stick with us. You've led us for so long. You can't say goodbye like you're never going to see us again. You can't do that. Maybe Paul knew that these men could handle that, the elders. Maybe they could handle the fact that he was about to say goodbye. So the elders, they come. It says in verse 18, when they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly, and with many tears, I have endured trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. I don't think that Paul's being boastful here. I don't think he's saying, I did this, I did this, I did that as a way to boast. He's giving account of, of how he lived his life and what he did. And he, 
He says, look, I I never shrank back from telling you what was true. As a matter of fact, sometimes it came with a lot of heartache. Sometimes it came with a lot of tears. And I think it wasn't just a physical persecution or, or, or the fact that he was resisted by many in a place like Ephesus where they had so many gods and people worshiped so many false idols. I'm sure that, that it was heartbreaking and all of that. I think that the truth of God sometimes as it went out from Paul, I think that it, it broke lives and it changed lives and it caused tears for him. Not just tears of sadness and persecution, but tears of joy. And he said, I didn't shrink back from it. I did it wholeheartedly. I didn't quit. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I think that he's indicating here probably that there's some people who didn't like what he had to say. Fine, I didn't shrink back from it. The message that he gave was this. It is important. He says the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus Turning away from who you were and turning towards the person God has really called you to be through faith in the Lord Jesus. He said, that has been my message. That is what I have told you. He said, you know that's true. He says, I did it everywhere, even in your homes. I I do it publicly in front of everybody and I'd I'd even do it in your homes. I think that, that Paul is reminding them of their responsibility too. As he talks about what he has done, I think in a way he's passing the torch and saying, you got to do this too, guys. You know that when I was here and you know what I did when I was with you for nearly three years, you know what, you know what it looked like, guys. And he has to remind them. He says in verse 22, now, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So he says, the Spirit of God is moving me towards Jerusalem. He said, it's not me that wants to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit of God is moving me towards Jerusalem. So he's being obedient to the Holy Spirit, which if you read the book of Acts, you see that so many times, how how Paul is saying, the Spirit led me here, or the Spirit told me not to go here, or the Spirit told me to leave here in three days and go on to some other place. As we read these things and we read the things that Paul is saying that he has done and he's telling the elders to do, I think he's telling the leadership of our current church to do these things as well, as well as every individual Christian. I think there are certain things here that that apply to everybody. It doesn't have to just be an elder. As a matter of fact, I would think that the elders probably took this message from Paul and probably took it back to the church and said, here are the things that Paul said. Because I imagine once they told him and said, look, this was the last time we were going to hear from Paul, they would have said, hey... Tell us what he said. Tell us what he said. And here he said, the Spirit has led me to go back to Jerusalem. Listen to what he says about Jerusalem. This doesn't sound like a happy place to me. He says, I know what awaits me. Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless... I use it for, the finishing, for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He says, look, I, I, know, I know what lies ahead of me. I know that I'm going to be in jail. I know that it's not going to be pretty. I know that I'm going to be persecuted. I know that suffering awaits for me. But, but look, my life doesn't even have any meaning. My life doesn't mean anything if I don't do what I'm called to do. 
to tell them about this amazing good news that I have and to tell them about this grace that comes from God. He said, if I don't do that, then my life doesn't, it's worth nothing. He doesn't care about the suffering of the jail time or any of that kind of stuff. What matters is this wonderful grace and this amazing good news that he has to carry out to the world. Let me ask you this question. We as a church body, is that the reason that we do what we do? Is that the reason that, that we seek our identity in Christ and we say this is the reason why we have worth because we are sharing the good news with others and we are telling them about this wonderful grace of God? Is that what we're doing? Is it what we're doing? Is that what Simple Church is known for? As a body of believers, individually, is that what we're doing? I think you have to ask yourself that question. It's the most important question. He goes on. Verse 25, it says, And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again, he says. Guys, listen, you're not going to see me again. This is my last trip. This is the reason I called you from 20, 30 miles away is because I, I knew this was the last time I was going to see you and, and I knew you'd want to see me. He says, I've, I declare today that I have been faithful. He goes on to talk about his faithfulness a little bit. He, he, he talks about what he has done, and, and I don't think this is boastful. I think it's just an indication of the pattern that we should follow by a great man of God, a leader uh, of these people, one who has preached the good news, told them the, the great news about the grace of God, told them all these things. And when you get told those things, you kind of ask the question, well, what do I do next? What is it that I'm supposed to do individually? It's great to be a recipient of the grace of God. It's amazing to be uh, on the receiving end of this good news, but it's not like it ends there. That's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. You have a new life in Christ. Now what are you doing with that new life? Where is it leading you? As you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit who now lives within you, what are you now doing in accordance to that Holy Spirit? He said, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. He says, the importance of what I shared was eternally important. And I did not shrink back from sharing that important news. So then he starts to talk to the elders directly. To these leaders of the church, these men of God who are called by the Holy Spirit of God to lead the church. He says, so, guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit appointed you as leaders. So he goes on to say, look, remember that the, the purpose that you serve is to feed this flock. To shepherd over them and feed them. As leaders in the church, the leaders are supposed to be responsible for feeding you, for shepherding you, for giving you this precious word, understanding that the Holy Spirit 
has appointed you to do this. You see, um, God's word tells us that not many should become leaders. And the reason that is, is because there is a, a double blessing for those that do good, but there's a double condemnation for those that do bad. When you say yes to the Holy Spirit to be in the leadership role, you're putting all your chips on the table. If I don't do this the right way, it could lead to a greater condemnation for me, a double condemnation for me. He says, remember, the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Then he goes on to talk. He says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out! Remember the three years I was with you? My constant watch and care over you day and night and my many tears for you. I think that he, what he's saying here is there will be people that will rise up, that will preach a different message, that will preach a different direction, that will, that will be false teachers, even to seek a following, a group of people that will say, yes, we need to go a different direction. This happens every day in the church. There will be a group, maybe, they will gather their own following and say, we need to head a different direction. Before you know long, there's divi- before you know it, there's division amongst the church. There's people going to do something else besides preach this gospel, to preach this good news. He says, these people are like vicious wolves. These leaders, they'll even rise up among you. You'll have people in your own church, inside your own congregation, your own body, and, and, and they will rise up. To lead people astray. Then he goes on. I think that he's pointing out. He says, he says, remember the three years I was with you. Constant watch and care over you day and night. And, and my tears for you. I think that what he's saying here is kind of pointing to that fact. That, that he was aware of these, the fact that these things would happen. And he was watching closely for these things to happen. To guard the flock against these things happening. He said, even shed many tears. And I think that he probably saw that and probably had to deal with some situations within the church when he saw these vicious wolves rising up and he probably shed many tears over that fact. So here we, to kind of recap, I want to go back because I, I, I think it's important for us to kind of remember what he's saying to these people. He says, you remember that I didn't shrink back. Um, I'm listing the Holy Spirit my, my life is worth nothing unless I, I preach this good news about the wonderful grace of God. And he says, by the way, there's going to be some false teachers that rise up among you, some people that were trying to raise division in the church and lead you some other direction. He said, don't let that happen. Watch out for that. So Paul left these people and he says, and now I entrust you to God And the message of his grace, verse 32, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you the inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. He says, I've handed you over now. It's kind of in your hands. You remember what I used to do and how I used to pray and shed tears and watch out and watch over you day and night. He said, now I've handed you over to God. And this message, (laughs) to God and the message, I've handed you over, and he says, 
You're in God's hands now. Then, then I think that it's interesting what he says because this is the last words that he says to these elders. These people that he loved dearly, cared for them, watched over them, shepherded them, appointed leaders to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is how he ends. I would not have expected <laughs> this to be the last words of Paul to the church of Ephesus through the leaders. I, I just... It, when I read this, it jumped out at me, and this is where kind of just things just, you know, I say that there are words that just kind of jump out at me. It's easy that, that verse 35 would jump out at you because it's written in red there if you have a red letter Bible, but this particular passage right here is he's saying the last few words, and, and this is what he says to the church of Ephesus. This is the, the final word to the church of Ephesus. He says in verse 33, he says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. He starts talking about physical assets here. He starts talking about money. He starts talking about nice clothes and all these things. He said, I never coveted any of that while I was there. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. He says, I wasn't selfish with what I had. I think this is so important when I read this. He's like, he's like, I wasn't doing things to build myself up. I wasn't selfish with what I had. You know, I worked with my own hands. Even though I was preaching the gospel, he said, I worked with my own hands to supply for my needs and even the needs of the people around me. He says, this is what I did. This is part of who I was when I was with you. He says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Paul says, as his last word to the church at Ephesus, the people that he had loved and stayed with and cared for, he says, I've been an example for you how to help the people in need by working hard. Those same hands that he took to care for the needs of himself, he used those same hands to work and care for those that had need. And he says, I've been an example to you, church. I have been an example to you. And he leaves them with this final word. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried and embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all because he had said that he would never see them again. And then they escorted him down to the ship. Paul is giving this message to the elders of Ephesus. And the whole book of Acts is about the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading out. Many times the church would come under persecution. The, the church would have to divide and separate in order to be able to continue to do this. And, and they would go and it would separate out and it would go into uh, other places from there. People would scatter and they would take this gospel message and go other places. And the whole book of Acts is over and over again about this gospel message just spreading like wildfire across the world. Thankfully, 
thankfully it's continued to spread and here we are some 2,000 years later looking at this word that Paul spoke to the church of Ephesus it was it was working this good news this great amazing grace that comes from God it was going out and here I think Paul is kind of tapping into something that I think that we should take note of. I think that we should take note of what he is saying right here as he has been an example for these people. And he says, I have worked hard to help those in need. I would like to ask you a simple question. Are you working hard to help those in need? That is a question that God has put on my heart for me to examine myself, challenge myself with. I think that the times when I have been so close to God are the times when I was helping those in need. The times when I feel like there was just this thin veil that separated me from God, like I could just, you could almost feel him, how his closeness to you is when I was helping those in need. Now, I'm not just talking about physical needs, and physical needs are something that is a catalyst to be able to get to the ultimate thing, which is their spiritual need. It's hard for people to focus on their spiritual need when their stomachs are growling or when they don't have shoes on their feet. It is difficult for them to focus on the eternal so much sometimes when we we don't meet their physical need. I think that God calls us to do both, and I think that we can use one as a mechanism to reach them with the other. If you look at the the, the message that, that never thirst uh, out of Birmingham. And what they do is they, they reach people with the gospel through meeting a basic need, which is this need for fresh water. That is their mechanism through which they, they can meet their spiritual need, which is an eternal need. That is the grace of God through his son, Jesus. Are you working hard to help those in need. Is Simple Church working hard to help those in need? Am I working hard to help those in need? God has challenged me with this passage. God has spoken deeply to my heart. I have had to ask myself these questions. And Jesus said, he reminds them of what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I think when our Lord is speaking of this, yes, he's speaking of meeting physical needs of people. But when you are a recipient of the grace of God, when you embrace the fact that God has rescued you from your sin, when you embrace that truth, Man, you want other people to be recipients of that grace. You want other people to be able to reach out and just embrace the love of Jesus Christ, to come to faith in him and trust in him with with all their heart, mind, and soul. And when people do that, this overwhelming joy of, man, I'm doing what God has called me to do. My new life that has new purpose, I'm doing that. You feel... At that point in time, you feel like, man, it really is better 
to give than to receive. Because you look at your life and what you have received and you say, man, to be able to give that away and somebody else to be a recipient of that, oh, how good that is. His grace. It really is immeasurable. And I know in my own life, when I've talked to people, and, and you, can, you can tell when people are sincere and they're trusting in the Lord as Savior, and you can tell when they're committed to saying yes to Jesus with everything that they are, to writing him a blank check and saying, you know, God, whatever it is you have, with, have for my life, I'm good with it. When you see that, when you're there in the presence of that, oh, his grace really is amazing. So my challenge to you is this. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Challenge yourself in the mirror of this book and see what God is saying to you. Look at the idols in your life and look at and see if they need to be torn down. Look at the things that you love in your life and see if they are greater than your love for Jesus. Second to our love for Jesus should be a love for his people. Jesus calls them our neighbor. We are, the greatest love that we can exhibit towards someone is to share with them this good news, this amazing grace that God has given us. That's how you really love someone. Are you really loving someone? Are you working hard to help those in need? Challenge yourself. Ask yourself these hard questions. Father, thank you for this precious word. God, how it has challenged me, how it has spoken deeply to my heart. And Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't know what the next steps are necessarily, but I know that, God, you're leading us to, to do exactly what Paul has said he has been an example for, and that is working hard to help those in need. Father, I pray that we be that way pray that we follow Paul's example and we work hard to meet the needs of those around us. God, the greatest need they have is eternity. God, Paul talks about how he, he, he helped to, to care for those around him and how he helped to meet the physical needs of those around him. God, I pray that we would just be like this. I pray that as a church, we'd just be like that. People that just helped people. They came together, pulled the resources of the body of Christ together so that we might be able to help people. I've had to ask my, myself the question, is that us? Is that what we're about? Is that who we really are embracing in our identity with Christ? Is, is that the people that we are? Is that who Simple Church is? God, if we're not, if we're not, God, I pray I pray that our idols will be torn down, the things that we love so much will be just wrecked a bit so that we might be able to love you more deeply and love your people as you called us to love them. God, I know that as we look at your word, I know that it's hard. I know that it is difficult to do these things that we're called to do. God, extremely difficult. They're full of tears and they're full of suffering, but that does not mean that we're not supposed to do them as we look at your word and we look at the things that we need to do in light of your word, God, I pray that we would not shrink back.
pray that we would embrace all of the suffering and all the tears wholeheartedly. God, for your glory and for your honor. We desperately need your guidance. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us. I pray that we would be submissive to you. I pray that we really would write blank checks with our lives and say, God, whatever you have for us, we'll do that. Whatever that is, God, maybe that means we're going to sell this building and give everything that we have to feed and clothe clothe the homeless. I don't know. But I'm asking for your wisdom. I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to show us. Father, whatever it is that you'd have us to do, I pray that we do that. And we would not shrink back. In Jesus' name.